0: Welcome to Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. My name is Huai Chen Bui. I'm a writer for Slash Film and a pop culture journalist in New York. I'm joined by my two co-hosts.
1: I am Anya Crittenden, a writer and editor in Los Angeles.
2: And I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. So today is uh, Sunday, August 25th. We are in the midst of D23. Which is Disney's expo of, like, I guess it's a fan convention type deal. A lot of big wigs are there. They announce a lot of stuff. I think we've talked about D23 on the podcast before. It happens every two years, and so this year it is happening right now. Um, we're going to talk about all the news and stuff that has been revealed to us over the over the weekend. Um, and we've got Senior Disney Correspondent Anya on the phone. Anya. Hello
1: there. What
2: do you have to say about D23? Well,
1: I had a marvelous time with the mouse. The House of Mouse? The House of Mouse. Mm, quite.
0: What is yes. it like inside the House of Mouse, Anya Crinton? Crinton.
1: It is extremely corporate. <laughs> Very... Uh, professional and... <laughs> You know what guys? You know what guys? Let What's me that? be honest. Let me be honest. Yeah. I've been to Comic Con, been to Star Wars Celebration, been to other miscellaneous smaller conventions. D twenty three for me blows them out of the water. Ooh. D twenty three is D twenty three is my favorite convention. I've been to the past three they happen every other year, so over the past six years I've been to the last three. Um, and it is consistently my favorite convention. Why is that? I love it. I'm I'm a little biased because I am a Disney fan. Um, you know, maybe I have a Disney tattoo. Maybe I worked at Walt Disney World for a year. Maybe you're maybe. staying in
0: front of an entire wall of Disney art at this moment.
1: Maybe. 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 Um, so I'm a little bit biased in that, like, obviously if you're not a Disney fan, D23 is not going to be for you. It is all Disney all the time. Um, but it is the most organized convention I've ever been to Um, even with how crowded it is, it feels like organized chaos. Um, you know, they, they have their, their lines down pat and they have all their information and it's just, you know, it, it's, it's very well organized, which is a big thing for me at cons. Um, but you know what, for all there is to validly critique about Disney, like they know how to put on a show, they know how to put on. Presentations—they know how to get you excited for things. Um, I didn't make it to either of, to any of like the big, big panels they host to D23, which is usually like um, upcoming movies, upcoming stuff on Disney Plus, the Disney Legends panel, upcoming parks and resorts information. Um, I didn't make it to any of those, but I've been to them in the past two years, past two conventions, and like they're always very star-studded. They do performances. They show you footage. It's like they – Disney knows how to get you excited for their content. Um,
0: I got a little taste of that at Comic-Con when I went to the Marvel panel and it felt like being at a rock concert really. People were screaming and stomping their feet. It was a high.
1: It was. was. And it's like it's – again, it's easy. There are valid things to criticize about Disney Um, and not every one of their projects is a hit – but there are genuinely great, good, creative things they put out, and it's excited. It's or it's easy to be excited about them, and to get washed up in that hype. And so, yes, maybe I've sold my soul to Disney. Um, but I, you know, I, I contain multitudes, guys. I'm allowed to both love and criticize them at the same time, and criticize them because I want them to be better because I love them so much. Yes. Yes. I think
0: think that's a place that we all come from because we do have that nostalgia and that childhood nostalgia associated with Disney. We all grew up with it. We all still love those films uh, that we grew up with. And um, even if some of the choices that Disney make now don't quite, um, you know, they kind of grind my gears sometimes, I still have an affection for the films that they made even if i am a little bit reluctant to like ascribe my loyalty to an entire corporation company
1: yeah yeah and i mean you know maybe nowadays they're more hit or miss but they do still have hits on their hands like genuine good hits um you know some of which are bigger like some marvel movies and the star wars movies have been genuinely great you know Mm -hmm. smaller ones that I mean, I'm still going to preach about Pete's Dragon. That movie is so good. I still and want to see it. It's so, it's really, really good. And, I mean, Pixar's been putting out really great animated content between Coco and Inside Out and even Toy Story 4. So it's like, you know, this company that started all from, like, imagination and creativity, mm. there is still sparks of that, even within all the mess and clouds of monopolies and capitalism like, sometimes they do put out these singular projects that you remind you, like, why Disney is so special.
0: And I think this D23 marks a turning point for Disney um, because we're on the cusp of a new era in which we're getting more and more content from, than ever before because of the launch of D23 this November. And of, Or Disney Plus. Oh, Disney Plus. I'm sorry. <laughs> because of the launch yes, of Disney Plus so this confused. November. I was
2: getting that confused.
0: <laughs> yes. And um, there's going to be so many more TV shows, films that are coming to that streaming service, uh, as well as the folding in of 20th Century Fox. And now that Disney has a majority stake in Hulu, we might be seeing some more changes in that area, too. So it's just a new era. We don't know where it's going. But for now, the first half of this podcast, we're going to go into the positives, the things we're excited for, for this this new chapter in Disney's um, storied history
1: yes um i think willoughby yes in one word can you tell me your feelings about the obi-wan kenobi series oh gosh oh one one word word? Uh, yes one One word word you've just said like five
0: words willoughby
2: (laughs) one word to summarize my thoughts and feelings on obi-wan ben kenobi's disney plus original series starring ewan mcgregor uh slated for probably 2021 you want me to summarize all of that up into one word the one of the biggest franchises ever with one character that i've ever like the one that like means the most to me like bar none above the rest you want me to summarize my thoughts into one word
1: i think that spiel kind of said it all (laughs) no
2: no no i've got the word
1: Ooh, ooh. all right willoughby what's your word
2: content oh Aww, that's
1: like is
0: it really peaceful and, <laughs> and
1: lovely you know
0: another word way, way also... to pronounce content.
1: content content
0: i hate you guys Ht <laughs> 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 was picking up when i was putting i know down. i did but I also,
2: had... no but it also means like i, I legitimately am like, very excited i've anya and i have talked about an obi-wan movie or an obi-wan series for like I guess since 2014, or whenever, like they, you know, the Force Awakens was kicking into high gear, like that. Like I've, I've been excited about this. Like I wish I could be making that film because I'm a filmmaker in the DC area. Um, but uh, unfortunately, like uh, I'll just have to probably be on the by on the on the bystands. Although they haven't filmed anything yet, but they have apparently they've written the scripts. It so isn't. maybe I could be um, call a, a, a PA. On yeah, Disney. If if anyone, literally anyone at Lucasfilm is on is listening to this, please get in contact with me. My Twitter is at will Be Dobbs. Um, <laughs> um, My DM are open. I think I don't know. Um, no, so yeah, Kenobi. That that I mean, there was uh, earlier this week there was, you know, a rumor that they were that this has been a thing and like comic-con last month when they announced taika waititi was doing thor 4 they confirmed it at the actual convention so i'm like like it's happening like it's kind of it's surreal it's you know kind of incredible because it has been 14 years since the um revenge of the sith uh premiered which means it's probably been more about 15 to 16 years since ewan mcgregor actually filmed those scenes in that movie which means that uh he like, he is the actual age to play an older Obi-Wan in the desert, even though it's going to take place during probably the, that gap of time between Solo, the beginning apparently of Solo. It apparently will take place
0: uh, during Solo, during the events of Solo.
2: Well, what does that mean? Like, when he's actually, like, running around with Chewbacca or that time jump between leaving Corellia and joining up with Beckett
0: that is there's the that question
1: yeah that, that, like, that's the
0: question that, but that's like where chronologically uh the Obi-Wan Kenobi series is supposed to be. somewhere in the
1: solo yeah
0: somewhere in the solo right. setting
2: period and there's there's you know spoilers for solo a movie that apparently underperformed um so if you haven't seen it spoilers Darth Maul is it shows up at the very end of that movie he's also in Star Wars Rebels which takes place even later then um uh solo and darth maul and obi-wan have a final confrontation in that series it's an old alec looking obi-wan so i'm really interested to see if they do anything with that because you know darth maul and obi-wan have this uh i would say con- content conscientious uh, contentious relationship um especially in the clone wars um yeah, so there's a lot there that they could do if they really wanted to dive back into Darth Maul. Although I kind of wish they would stay away from it because I mean, ironically enough, a lot of people were surprised when he showed up in Solo. But for me, I was sort of like, well, I've seen him like show back up in Clone Wars and Rebels. Rebels,
1: right, so you like, knew
2: that he was. So like, I knew that he he was alive. I didn't. Re- I mean, I was still surprised, but I wasn't shocked. You know, I was yeah. like, I was like. And I was like, okay, so Darth is just going to be kicking around every time it's something expanded university. I would really hope they go away with, with that. I kind of hope they take more inspiration from uh, Kenobi, which is the John Jackson Miller novel, which is set actually around that time. It, it's actually set more closely to the beginning of uh, Obi-Wan's day at, um on Tatooine, but it is definitely like,
1: it, it's like, like know, very or... much like a Western type novel, mm-hmm. right? Where Obi Wan is kind of like the like solo like traveler in the desert and like his adventures and what he gets up to, which I think would be a good, I think that'd be good inspiration for Disney to take. Mm. Yeah,
2: so it's definitely probably it's definitely gonna be set on Tatooine, um, which is why I also hope that another show another Star Wars Disney plus show does move away from the desert imagery which is the Mandalorian um, which is what the, a lot of a lot of what they've been promoting it with it has been a bounty hunter in the desert um, and I kind of want to see more than just another desert planet because we've seen that all
1: Same. See, they're,
0: they're not seen everywhere. how much of the Star Wars like universe the galaxy do you think is covered by desert planets 80% percent
2: here's the thing about Star Wars planets is that each one has one topographical element so you've got desert planets you've got jungle planets you've got water planets and you've got like cloud planets you've got you know you don't have no an Earth. planets and we, like and maybe the closest we get to Earth which is just a forest moon um, so I mean th- there may be a lake because we've seen death star footage a uh, St- death star um, uh, wreckage. In that teaser trailer yeah. for The Rise of Skywalker. So there's a lot that Kenobi can play with. And like in terms of like what the story they want to tell. I really hope they take inspiration from the novel. Um, I'm very excited. It's very good. Obi-Wan Kenobi yeah. is the best part of the prequels. It's it is. Gonna be... Yes, he is. And, he is, he's... and he's
1: great.
2: Like he's got the most. He's got the best
1: accent.
0: He can do it well. He does have that's, the best accent. It's very true.
1: true. Um, HT, you are probably less of an avid Star Wars fan mm-hmm. than Willoughby and I, but you've mentioned that you're excited for the Mandalorian. I am, uh,
0: mostly because my boy Pedro Pascal is the star, and I'm just very excited to see him as the, bo- the titular Mandalorian, a bounty hunter, and it's not Boba Fett. So that's Thank the one God. thing. It's not. It's... It is not Boba
2: Fett. It is a Thank Mandalorian. God. But it is not
1: a Fett. Yeah. i have, I have to admit, I, I'm like a. Li- I was a little hesitant about the series because, like, Boba Fett just is a personal grievance to me because I cannot stand that character. He sucks. Um, and I know that it's not Boba Fett, but like, he has like ingrained in me this like Mandalorian type feeling in yeah, me. Yeah, I have like but a visceral reaction to it. Yes, yes, but you're right. I mean, Peter Pascal and. They announced more of the cast of D23, didn't they? Yes, they did. Um, I don't have it off the top of my, my head.
0: Maybe Willoughby can look it up and find it out. But, well,
1: I know. Well, Tygo Waititi is voicing a droid. And I he's, know, also he's also directing an episode. Directing. Yeah, and Ming-Na Wen is yes. in it too, right? Yeah, she is. Which is really exciting. Yeah, it seems like this is
0: one of the most diverse... Um, shows of, D- of Disney Plus yet and so I am quite excited for it and um, yeah I don't I've really know the, where oh please read it out loud Willoughby
2: so I've got, we've got Pedro Pascal we've got Gina Carano mm. we've got Carl Weathers, Taika ITD, Nick Nolte and Werner <laughs> Herzog Nolte. oh Gina... yeah I forgot
0: <laughs> Werner Herzog is in this and it's
2: hilarious yeah. um, Giancarlo Esposito Emily Swallow and Omid Abdi up,
1: That's yeah, and um, then they announced Ming Na Wen, and then I am totally blanking on her name. She played Tonks in the Harry Potter movies.
0: Uh, right, Natal- uh. Natalia. Something. Yeah, Natalia Tena. Yeah, T- Natalia Tena. Yeah, yeah,
1: she she revealed that she is in the series as well. She's like, I think she's playing an alien, so she will not be like recognizable. Mm-hmm. But um, they have a pretty, a pretty stacked cast. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's pretty cool. And John Favreau is, I believe, the showrunner. But he's lined up a bunch of really cool directors, including Taika, mm-hmm. to direct. Um, I believe he's also directing a couple episodes. I really hope it does. You know, the thing that I think people like liked about parts of Solo and a lot of Rogue One, where it, like you know, gets away from the Skywalker shtick and tells stories in the Star Wars universe that is not that are not related to the fate of the the universe. Um, which is why Star Wars has been able to last as a brand for thirty, for forty years. Because they were like, well, we're gonna just do books and movies and TV show and video games where the, the word, the name Skywalker is never said, and mm. it still makes, it still makes bank. So I think, I think I'm, I'm very excited about the Mandalorian. The trailer looks really good. It looks like yeah. they shot it on film, which I probably don't think they did. Which, if they did, that's bold. That's innovative shooting a tv show on film again i know that jean
0: favreau is testing out some new technologies with this uh series in which he uses a lot of practical effects but Mm -hmm. with a sort of digital twist so it it does have that sort of practical tactile feeling to it but he like innovates in some way so he he's having a lot of fun using like these big properties just basically test out new filming technology which i think you know props to him for doing that um and I think the Mandalorian will be a good sort of a playground for him and other directors to test that out especially with um the premise seems pretty simple it's just like a bounty hunter series and basically get I get the feeling it's gonna be more space western than the fantasy of the Skywalker saga that we see
2: yeah there's a lot of a lot of gun gun slinging yeah um and Pedro Pascal as uh, a Mandalorian bounty hunter has all the, like, cool, suave sophistication of what we expect from a Mandalorian bounty hunter, at least in the imagery that the trailer has. But it's also possible and most likely that that character is a hot mess that needs uh, to be, like, you know, he has to go on some sort of emotional journey from, like, tough guy to, like, open-hearted softy, which is probably what this the like you know it's sort of a good character arc to have someone go from like I don't love anybody to
0: oh here's my family yeah I'm down for that I'm also excited that um oh go ahead
2: I was just gonna say because there's a shot where both uh I don't believe we have a name yet for the Mandalorian but the Mandalorian the titular role is accompanied by a bounty hunting robot named IG88 who shows up in *The Empire Strikes Back*. So, and he's still around kicking after the, the events of *Return of the Jedi*. And he looks so cool. Uh ah, he's a robot, and he also is a bounty hunter. Like, that's is so cool. It's like isn't that of like, voicing? IG88. I that think
1: thought he might be right. See, I thought that's what they. Yeah, said Taika was voicing. I think you're probably right. right. I could be uh, completely wrong as well. Now we're all, like, Googling because we have to double-check this. Cause that
2: <laughs> incredible. Because, like, he doesn't talk in The Empire Strikes Back. Taika.
1: Maybe his voice box gets taken out in the Mandalorian series. I mean... And that's why he doesn't talk in... all right right, no. As long as not as backwards.
0: horrifying as... Um... What's her name? Phoebe Waller-Bridge's a robot in uh, or droid in uh, Solo Hello. being turned into the Millennium Falcon and basically being ripped of her her conscience. Yeah,
1: yeah. that was um, kind of. I I don't
2: think they've confirmed it because the when I googled Taika Waititi ig88. It was just a bunch of articles from March saying it looks like Taika might be IG88, yeah. but
1: nothing. I mean, Slash Film has an article that says the Mandalorian Taika YTD character will be IG88. So there it is. Um, it 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 looks like it might be, but yeah, you're right. They're all from March, so um, we'll see. But it's exciting. Yeah. But you know, it's really hard for me to be cynical about like these two series and Kenobi especially. Because I'm just so excited for them, and we've been waiting so long for Ewan McGregor to return to this role, and so it is hard for me, even with all the like jokes and valid criticisms about like Disney, like monopolizing things, like it's so I cannot be cynical about these series. Like I'm, I'm genuinely so excited as a fan to get this content and explore these worlds and see these performances. Um I also wanna give a, a shout out to
0: the Rogue One prequel series that is coming to Disney Plus. Yes. That's gonna be led by Cassie Diego and Luna. Yeah, Cassian Andor. And um I just wanna say like even if it seems like there's a big glut of, of series coming to Disney Plus, like they're really stacking their uh their catalog. Um yeah. it's just exciting that their uh series are most of them are being led by people of color. So it's just uh and even though I have mixed feelings about Rogue One myself don't think it was a good film i really like the characters in it and uh, i would be really excited to see cassian again i do have a pop
1: same, and because he did not get um he he shined he had like glimmers of shining Mm -hmm. in the movie but he never had enough to actually like break out and be kind of the character i thought he could be so i think the series would be good for that and moving on to the other franchise i mean speaking of like stacked things like Marvel announced even more series so they announced several series at Comic-Con we have our Loki series we have WandaVision which at D23 Kevin Feige compared to the Dick Van Dyke show which makes me like 100 times more intrigued by WandaVision I was not really into that series but now he's like a wacky sitcom and I'm like it looks yes. bizarre. So it, they didn't
0: show any footage at, at Comic-Con, but they showed us a little tiny logo reveal with one shot of uh, Wanda and Vision, but Wanda was had, like, her hair coiffed in a 1950s style, and uh, Vision was, like, in a suit, and they were, like,
1: having tea, and she was smiling this really broad smile. Honestly, I'm so here for this, like, weird, like, totally, like, this, like, black comedy, like, wacky 50s sitcom thing like i'm here for that so there is a
0: comic book run uh about vision um this doesn't have to do with wanda but it is um he i think i don't remember who the author is uh but he like goes on on the strange sort of breakdown in which he creates a whole family for himself and um, it's, in, it's set in like the suburbs, and it kind of gets darker and more twisted as like his family starts to gain consciences of their own and like break out from his ascribed sort of confines for what he wants them to be because he wants to have like this normal family, but it's like this real twisted, dark suburban version of it. And uh, I feel like this WandaVision might be taking some inspiration from that. Yeah, I think it's Tom theory... King's run.
2: My theory is that Wanda has a psychotic break and does some like magic, to in which she like basically like envisions herself heh, uh, with like a 1950s style like family sitcom with Vision. But also, there's like r- like modern day characters like Darcy, a- and is coming like Darcy from Thor is coming back, and a couple other like characters from like modern day. So it's probably like there there's gonna be like a real world, and then, like, a sitcom world in which Paul Bettany is alive as yeah, Vision.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting, Which is going to be
2: it, – it's, it's just going to be – I think it's going to be, like, some, like, tonal shifts that are just going to, like, floor the audience. I
0: think it's going to be super experimental. I, that's the, probably the Disney Plus Marvel series that I'm most excited for because it just sounds so strange and bizarre. And what's interesting, too, is that I feel like it's building up Wanda be, to be the next big – villain because they said at comic-con i think they said again at d23 that wanda is going to be in dr strange uh and the something of madness uh his long title um so he she i feel like with her sort of presumed psychotic break that takes place in wandavision maybe something goes horribly wrong and she becomes like the next big bad and you know taps into her Her greatest powers and becomes like the big bad for Doctor Strange, which would be really fascinating. Yeah, that would be cool. And also, it ties into Kevin Feige's comments that the Marvel Disney Plus series are more tied into the MCU than any Marvel TV show.
1: (laughs) Sorry, Agents of
0: Shield, and sorry, all of the Defenders from Netflix. I mean, ignoring all of them.
1: I mean, they they
2: they 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 cast Mahershala attempt. Ali. They cast Mahershala Ali as Blade after starring in six episodes of Luke Cage as the as a big bad until he is unceremoniously killed. Um, yeah, he's that's the best wild. part of Luke
0: Cage too.
2: Yeah, like he was like he, he was front and center in the promotional like trailers and stuff. Like people knew that Mahershala Ali was in Luke Cage, and meanwhile, like and Feige and the rest of Marvel is like. Herschel is going to be Blade, and you don't have to worry about that. And Gemma Chan is going to be in Eternals. It's a completely different character from her character in Captain Marvel. Like, they're, like, for them being, like, really cool with continuity, they're just now saying, fuck it. Yeah. And they're going to be like, you're going to watch these movies anyway.
1: Yeah, basically. And so then we also have Falcon and Winter Soldier, which we knew about. And then at E23, they announced um, three other series. Or they announced... Wild. Well, so they had already... They announced What If at Comic-Con, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, but they I know they showed some footage and some concept art at D23, yeah. um, including Peggy Carter as Captain Carter, which is very exciting. Um, but then they also announced a Moon Knight series, a She-Hulk series, which is, I don't know if many people know her, but Jennifer Walters is um, Bruce Banner's cousin, and she is a badass. She is, you know, She-Hulk, but she by day she is a lawyer, and she is so... Tough and intimidating, but kind and gentle, and I love her so much. um And speaking of diverse casts, finally, finally, we are getting a Miss Marvel series Ooh. about the one and only Kamala Khan. I'm so yeah. excited.
0: They also teased that Kamala Khan might make an appearance in the MCU at some point, so that'll be exciting. Ooh,
2: I'm. Well, I guess we could call this the MCU. It's just
0: yeah, yeah. MCU well, TV in the film edition, I mean the
2: films. The Marvel yeah,
0: film. I mean, the funny thing the is, pictures. with like the potential loss of Spider-Man, they have their own sort of Peter Parker kind of figure with Kamala Khan, whose uh, early run of Miss Marvel reminds me so much of Peter Parker and Spider-Man and his whole struggle with his dual identity, balancing teen life and superherodom. It has that same uh, sort of comforting and uh, you know, just like really entertaining and light footed. Uh, approach to early Spider-Man. So, if we don't see any more Spider-Man, at least we have Kamala Khan. Yeah. I'm right, we do. I'm so excited I want to say, can
2: I say something about Disney Plus as its own thing?
0: Mm.
1: Like,
2: yeah. Like, I really appreciate that Marvel and Star Wars has, they are utilizing this avenue as something that they don't have to make a billion dollars with, with every property like every ip uh, all of these don't have to be the next big summer blockbuster i really appreciate that they are now taking that the route like they had they now have like they had abc and netflix before for like their uh their marvel shows but star wars had animated features like clone wars and rebels like they didn't have the ability to do like like there was a live action series promised by luca george lucas like before he Um, uh, Disney bought uh, uh, Lucasfilm and shelved that, and um, like they had scripts written, like they were gonna go forward with that. But I'm glad that they're taking a different route, and I like that they're because like there's all these like things about once Solo didn't make as much money as they thought. They were like, oh, there's there's Star Wars fatigue. We gotta scale things back, and they're like, oh, Disney's in trouble. Oh no, what are we gonna do? Um, (laughs) And what I really what, like, what I really appreciate is that they just said, yeah, we, we're we going to do different things now. Like, we can do – we because we're, we have our own TV channel, essentially, we're just going to do, like, well, another TV channel, I should say. Uh, the Disney channel still exists. Um, uh, and we're going to get – we should get to the Disney channel-related uh, items pretty soon. But um, we have uh, – Disney has the ability to, like, do, like, okay, we're not going to do a Kenobi movie, we're going to do a Kenobi TV show, and we're not going to do, like, or they might still do, but we're not going to do Captain America Sam Wilson as a movie, but we're going to do it as a TV show with Bucky Barnes as well as uh, Zemo and a bunch of things. So, like, you'll get more, like, ironically enough, you're going to get more hours with these uh, characters than you would with a two-hour movie. Um, So I actually like that they're going that route where they're going like we're going to take these the big stars and we're going to put them on the small screen Mm. and you're going to see, you know, you're going to have your own. They're going to have their own adventures and they're going to fill the gaps between the movies that we didn't have before, which is something that we've been, you know, a big issue with these Marvel films is that like, oh, yeah, Tony Stark has, you know, is dating Pepper Potts and then they break up and then they get back together all off screen and now with a show with, with Disney+, Plus, you can tell those in-between stories uh, that you don't get when you ha- can only do the $250 million movie every couple of years with these characters, like, on and off. So you get 8 to 10 hours of television, and you get character development, and you get probably some cool visuals, um, and you get, like, that quality that we, you know, like with Marvel I, hopefully and with star wars um so i just think that disney plus is probably going to be really beneficial creatively um for these for the for these character for these like properties and stuff which i kind i like because i definitely know that uh like you know as much i mean i'll i'm ride or die with star wars so i'll go see any star wars movie that's in the theaters but um, I mean, I understand that people are like, well, I don't want to go see another movie that isn't about the Skywalkers. But they'll probably sit down and watch a television show about a Mandalorian who isn't Boba Fett um, and, and Obi-Wan Kenobi and one of the most celebrated characters in the entire franchise. Um,
0: so, um, not to be a cynic, but I wanted to ask you guys whether you think that um, – in some cases, Disney is using Disney Plus as a way to, uh, you know, put their sort of lower tier like B-list characters, sort of like in a direct-to-DVD, direct-to-video type of approach. This is um, not really in terms of the Marvel and Star Wars things because I do think that, like what Willoughby was saying, they're using it as a, ten- as a chance to uh, be more creative, although it does kind of strike me that, like, Kamala Khan isn't as big a hero, so of course she's getting a TV series first. Um, But, uh, like, for example, with the Lady and the Tramp live-action remake... I felt like we were seeing every Disney live action remake going to the big screen because they were guaranteed cash grabs, but because Lady and the Tramp was an animated film that didn't come out during the 90s Disney renaissance and thus people of ticket buying age, aka millennials, don't have as much of a nostalgic affection for it, it of course is getting sort of the direct to video route with Disney+. Do you guys feel like that is kind of the case?
1: I think yes and no. Um, I think Lady on the Tramp, you could be hitting it on the nose a bit. Um, But I would have said yes to this question, like, years ago. But with the rise of streaming and Netflix and Hulu and, you know, all these streaming shows, like, being critically acclaimed, winning Emmys, like, being some of the most beloved and praised content coming out of Hollywood right now. I don't think that there is sort of a lower tier aspect to Disney plus, or at least I don't think that's how they're viewing it. That's not how I view it. Like Kamala Khan. Yes. Like, you know, the idea of like, is she not big enough to hold her own movie? But at the same time, I'm like, I'm so happy that we're going to get way more than two hours with her. And I mean, Daredevil and Jessica Jones were some of the greatest things Marvel put out. And they were TV series on Netflix. So, I would have said yes ages ago, but now that streaming has really solidified itself as a critically acclaimed part of Hollywood, I don't think there is that lower tier aspect. I mean, yes, like I said, maybe for like Lady and the Tramp, but at the same time, if like Disney's going to be making all this content, they can't put everything into two hour movies. And um, so, yeah, I don't think there's that aspect to it because I think TV has proven itself to be you know, the top tier. True. I also, I agree with that
2: because I think that, yeah, like Anya said, streaming television has become more than just, you know, what you would, you know, direct a DVD or direct a video or even like the Timon and Pumbaa series on Disney, Tune Disney, like years ago. Like they are really putting, I think they're putting an effort into making these, the tentpole television shows. Like they want to make sure that they're, they're saying like, to like actually watch these movies because like when the mcu and netflix and abc were all doing their thing at the same time mcu didn't give a shit about what's happening in netflix and abc and even even the closest thing they got to a tie-in was uh agent colson uh in the in the end like the, in the episode right before age of ultron premiered told uh um like called uh Kobe smolder's character maria hill to say we got to get the Avengers ready to go storm the last of the Hydra, like, folks. And, like, if you didn't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you wouldn't have known that that was a thing that, a scene, and yet it was, and so it was, like, a cool tie-in if you watched the show, but it didn't take away anything from that opening, like, scene in Age of Ultron where the Avengers are storming the castle. So, but now, now they're focusing their attention on the television shows, and they're making it a big, they're making these the big deals, because, like, I feel like when I was seeing all this news at, at Comic-Con and now D23, they really are putting an emphasis on on Disney Plus television sh- shows as, like, they're a new version of the Big Ten polls. Because the movies that they're releasing aren't really the A-listers anyway. Like, they're not doing an Avengers film for a couple of years. They just announced Black Panther for 2022. So like it's still gonna be a couple years of the Black Widow film, the Doctor Strange film, um, I'm trying to think uh, of the Eternals. So like they are, they're they're, and then and then you've got well known characters like Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes headlining their own show, and Wanda as well. Like you're getting the they're getting the folks from the Avengers movies onto the te- television shows, and the the Doctor Strange characters like the the quote unquote lesser tiers are. Also getting their own movies. Like I think that they're trying to, like, they're they're diving, they're taking some different exit turns that I think that in an otherwise without Disney Plus they wouldn't be making. Like I think that with with Disney's a bit ability to now put out like an endless stream of content, literally a st- on a streaming service, they can now focus their attentions to being like you're like. These are the these are the fil- the, the the stories we want to tell and we're going to do it on, on as television now mm. as well as movies. Like I think that they're they are now they're they're, they're I think they're going to do what I think that we all thought Agents of Shield and Netflix were going to be, which is a cross-platform connected universe. Um, cause I think, I, I think a lot of people were like, yeah, we'll get, we'll see Daredevil in infinity war because they announced Daredevil around the same time as infinity war. And, you know, like we, there was all this like, oh, it's, you know, every, every hero is going to show up in end game and like, it's going to be like a big thing. And then it wasn't that. And, but now with Disney plus, you know, Disney has probably full creative control. I'm sure Netflix and ABC, although ABC is still Disney. So Netflix probably had some creative ish Um, uh, takes that they wanted their characters, th- these characters to go with, but like Disney's like this is Disney plus, like this is this is what we can do with it, and um, and so I think that I think, I think it's definitely yeah, like more than just direct to video sequels and direct to video like the like the lesser characters like Kamala Khan. I think I agree with Anya where she, where you said that like we're gonna get like probably ten to twelve hours with her mm-hmm. st- at least. Yeah, as a first season, if anything. Like I know some some of these are just miniseries, but you know, as we've seen with Big Little Lies, they can become a, they can get a season two. Um, so I think I think that that'd be really cool. Um, I think I think Disney Plus is here to stay as a new avenue for these uh, for both Star Wars and Marvel to tell a lot more story.
0: <laughs> it's so funny because it hasn't even launched yet, and here we are. No, it hasn't. But
2: it hasn't, But doing a really good job of rolling out content they beforehand. have like mm-hmm. they've been showing trailers they're showing like they're giving you a list of like you know the tv shows and movies that are going to be available like like on the first day of launch whereas you see something like apple launching their apple tv plus or whatever the fuck it's called yep that's they right. are barely is it really apple, yep, TV, it's plus? apple
0: tv plus oh <laughs> so
2: they they announced a bunch of tv show titles like a a little bit ago um,
0: with some celebrity but names, did, but nothing else. But
2: they did show – They yeah, they had celebrity names. Steven Spielberg is involved. But they didn't show any content. And a lot of people were taking notice where they're like, how do you unveil a streaming service without even showing any content? Including the fact that um, Apple doesn't have a backlog of of uh, movies and TV shows that they're going to show with launch day like Netflix does or Hulu or Amazon. Like Or even Disney Plus, like Disney has their own back catalog. But the thing about the other streaming services on the Internet is that they started as hosting other television shows. It wasn't until 2013 that the original series really started to get kicked into high gear with Netflix. Like Netflix made a transition to starting to do a lot more original and Hulu and Amazon and disney's able to just be like this is a streaming service for for our back catalog as well as future stuff but apple is just like we have a tv show about uh with steve carell and reese witherspoon and jennifer aniston and it's gonna be like a dark version of morning glory like i they're and i know they've they have other things in the, in like getting ready but like I don't think Apple's doing a very successful job, as Disney is getting people hyped up to to subscribe to their
0: service. They started too late is the problem, and now the streaming service field is just getting way too crowded
1: and way too competitive. Yeah, and uh, that's so cable. I want to start transitioning into Disney as a company um, by talking about um, a movie that Disney announced for Disney Plus. Um, Disney Plus, which you know, I will be. Signing up for—I'm sure you guys might too. It's Surprisingly inexpensive. Service. Yeah, it's like six bucks. Dollars a month. Or, sorry, yeah, it's bucks, only yeah. like eight or it's like eight bucks a month, and I'm like that's cheaper than HBO. Um, and like well because it's going to be all this back catalog, and we're going to get original. Mo- I'm so excited for Noel because I'm like Christmas and Bill Hader. Sign me up. But they announced another project for Disney Plus. Um, that I think there's a there's a slight bitterness to this one. So they announced a documentary film Uh called One Day at Disney, and it is about the employees who work for Disney. And this is across, you know, movies, parks, you know, uh, Imagineering. It is, it kind of encompasses everything across the world. Um, And the trailer is very good. The trailer is emotional and it's poignant and it's well edited. And, you know, I, I kind of ate it up. And then you think about the fact that Disney barely pays its theme park employees a living wage. And you think about Abigail Disney, who is the daughter of Roy E. Disney, who is the son of Roy Disney and the nephew of Walt Disney. And you think about her railing against this company and criticizing it for not paying its employees as much as it should. And you know the way it does handle its money and suddenly that trailer is tinged with some bitterness and some cynicism and some anger and and it reminds you that disney is at its core you know i think the thing about disney is i really do believe in its origins and i really believe in walt disney's kind of creative genius and the fact that he created this company as a labor of love and as someone who was just genuinely an imaginative person, but someone who was also a capitalist and what this company has become. And for all that creativity and for all that magic and joy it brings, it exists in a capitalist society and it exists as a business and it has to make returns on investments and it has to make profits. And I understand that, but this trailer kind of – it was the exact perfect thing to sum up that I love Disney and its magic, but like the conflicted feelings I have about it and how it operates as a business.
0: Yeah. For me, that trailer left a sour taste in my mouth because it feels very much like propaganda that they're releasing and saying, look how great our company is. And it's something that I think is very unnecessary. I mean, sure, it's nice to celebrate the work of your employees and everything, but that's to say it feels like it's a way to sweep under the rug the problems that you just listed on you. And um, we joke a lot about how Disney are our corporate overlords, but in a lot of senses, it feels like that's coming true because not just in the wake of the 20th Century Fox um, merger in which they now have like a host, majority stake at Hulu. Uh, one of the things that just baffled me was at D23 on the show floor, there are pictures of the outfit's from the Handmaid's Tale, some like the most iconic costumes of like the Disney properties. I'm like that's a weird Disney princess I've never seen before. Um, Jack Kirby was named a Disney legend. He never in his life was associated with Disney uh, or wrote for Disney and it's just it seems to me like Disney's just kind of taking its chance to swallow pop culture a whole in a way that's really unencumbered by any sort of rules or laws that really should be stepping in to stop Disney from becoming a monopoly that takes over 80% of the movie entertainment industry as they are doing now. It's a little scary, honestly. And I just want us to remember, you know, all the people that, that Anya were talking about, the people who are affected by... Disney and its practices, the little people working for them or working for companies that are being taken over by Disney. And um, just uh, give a thought about them before you, you know, rail against Sony for trying to get the better end of a deal with uh, Disney over Spider-Man rights um, and IP and everything. And just the IP thing is also really funny to me because, you know, how Disney, uh, in attempts to um, circumvent public domain laws uh in u.s law uh public domain laws essentially maintain that after i think 50 years after a character is created it goes into public domain and thus it can be used by like any uh company for like or like any person for creative purposes but disney wanting to maintain the rights over mickey mouse um which was actually sort of uh jump-started by their losing the rights over their first character which was a rabbit i think um, it, yeah, the first like Mickey Mouse was a rabbit, and they lost yeah. the rights to that. Yeah, Oswald, Oswald the Rabbit.
2: He shows back up in the in the, the Mickey video game.
1: Yeah, yeah, and Oswald has made a comeback. He's now a meet and greet character in Disneyland, and he has merchandise. I and yeah, no, Oswald has, like made a comeback as like the the kind of like vintage like character, oh. and he has merch now, and you can meet him. And that's so interesting. Hashtag Justice for Oswald. Yeah, well, but that's... no justice for Mortimer Mouse. <laughs> I don't know who that no is. No justice for Mortimer. Is that is that Mickey's dad? No, Mortimer Mickey's was the first, Mortimer was the first incarnation of Mickey. Mm. <gasps> oh, before he regenerated into Steamboat Willie. Yeah. Like he never Mortimer never appeared in like animation or anything, but he was like the first like sketches and first ideas behind um, the Mickey Mouse character, and then they kind of realized that he uh, did not look as, like, friendly and Mortimer was not the best name and blah, blah, blah. And so he went through all these, like, adjustments. Morty and Mouse. And, yeah. and then Mickey Mouse was born. But, like, was he like was... Was he, was he, like, a
2: hard-drinking, cigar-smoking, like, noir detective? Like, what was I wrong mean,
1: with him? That, I imagine, what he became after he, you know, was rejected <laughs> by... Uh, Disney. And he also um I think he's shown up in like uh like Call me house- Morty. I think he showed up in like the House of Mouse on like Disney Channel or something. Like he's kind of like shown up like randomly as like a joke, but like he was also a very tall, skinny mouse. Mm. And so he kind of looked like goofy. Yeah, and so he just looked a little bit scary Um yeah, and so uh Mortimer, we don't we don't talk about Mortimer much. <laughs> My
2: name's my name is Mortimer Mouse. Are you Mickey? Fuck
0: you. <laughs> Anyways, this brief history lesson has a purpose, I swear. Okay, bring um, it on. What was I saying? Anyways, um, because they lost the rights to Oswald the Rabbit, they didn't want the same thing to happen for Mickey Mouse unless they basically uh, rallied, lobbied for a law in which public domain law like, basically doesn't pertain to... Corporations. They basically created modern copyright law. And um, through that, uh, that, make, that means that Spider-Man, who would at this point have become public domain and wouldn't have like all of this corporate infighting over him, um, wouldn't be at the center of this Sony-Disney um, squabble, as it were, because Disney actually does own the rights to Spider-Man, but Sony has the rights of, to make the movies for him. They have the movie license for Spider-Man. So that's where all the complicated copyright law is. Um, and uh, yeah, anyways, IP. <laughs> it's just so funny to me that IP has become like a common term that we as like entertainment fans talk about now when it's such a business thing. Like business has become such like a so prominent that it's like at the front and center of movie lovers conversations and um, it just yeah it makes me a little bit weary that IP is the driving driving conversation uh, starter for like both fans and also on the business side I feel like with a lot of the Disney Plus series and movies that are coming out a lot of it has to do with like recognizable IP what's a recognizable IP nowadays a Lizzie McGuire series a sequel series um what else you know just like those kind of things it just uh it brings out the cynic in me a little bit where i'm like oh they just do this for the ip and not for actual any actual love or um demand for a character like how there is an edge of 17 series coming out not on disney plus but um I think it was going to YouTube at some point. It's been picked up by another network. Um but because it's like a rec- kind of recognizable IP even if the movie itself wasn't a big hit. It's just uh, it's it's just fascinating to me and a little bit saddening.
2: Well, if it makes you feeling better, uh corporations studios and networks have been trying to uh make you know TV shows out of movie characters, you know, since the invention of television. Um I take a look at Sherlock Holmes. I feel like he's, you know, people have been just making movies and TV shows about Sherlock Holmes for a hundred years. So I think this is just gonna keep happening.
0: Yeah, the IP thing though just feels like such a, a pub, like a cycle. You know, it's like it 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 uh, keeps out. It limits it to characters and stories that we already know, and doesn't allow us the. Um, new characters and new stories that could be adapted and could be turned into a great movie or TV show. Um, and so. my,
2: I'm looking at the sunny side of this. They're starting with a lot of characters that we know, but they could all eventually bring up, you know, more original uh television shows, and movies, probably, probably not movies, but probably more original television shows that are not, you know, related to Moon Knight mm. or, you know Iron Man like yeah. I think that this is they, they, this is publicity and well part of it is publicity but also recognition like if Disney like they're not doing what Apple does which is like a lot of, which is a, almost all original content that you know it's not franchise based or IP based it's just you know like content and no one's really excited about it so
0: well actually that's what yeah. I want to ask you guys um in okay. the future for, like, Disney, as Disney, like, sets makes sets its footing um, in, like, the streaming land and everything like that, do you think, and with, like, the new mergers with Fox, do you think that Disney will take more risks or that they will um, try to maintain that family fr- friendly elements that we've seen for the past 100 years? Because there is that fear with um, the Fox deal that you know, even if they are sort of promising that Fox will be the place where you can see more adult movies, more R-rated movies, we're already seeing a little pushback on the Disney side, reportedly, based on reports, uh, that they don't fit uh, the Disney sort of family-friendly mantra. So I'm wondering, iron- do you think that there will be risk takes risk-taking involved? Do you think it'll just be, like, for example, we want to see movies that, like, they don't always have to be huge hits for disney and like disney doesn't need that much any more money than they already have but do you think that like if something is a box office bomb they won't be taking any more risks for for example uh what was a movie that like was kind of a bomb and disney was like kind of pulling pulling back on it recently it was something under fox that i can't remember what it was um i can't remember but yeah what do you think about that guys
2: Um, I think, I mean, here's the thing. They had Touchstone Pictures for a while, which was like more adult-featured films and, like, you know, it wasn't all kids' films. Um, And I think that Fox may be their new version of that where they could, you know... It's not going to be Disney present a Fox film or anything. Like, I think they're still going to be, like, 20th Century Fox. You know, like, it's, you know, how, like, every... The Marvel films and the and the Lucasfilm films, <laughs> um, they don't begin with like the Disney logo, like the Disney Walt well, Disney Pictures do. So I think that I'm hope, my hope is that they'll continue to release, you know, more grown up content and more you know PG thirteen R, you know, like and that they don't push back on you know creatives who are trying to tell stories um when it comes to their brand because like if they can if they you know they own fox but if they don't completely dismantle fox like they then i then hopefully that and i think with the the risks i think that they'll probably take more risks with television shows because they're not banking on b- making a billion dollars with mm. each television show um and depending on you know i mean sc- subscriber count is really that's all gonna matter when it, when it comes to that. Um, and I think they're probably hoping for a lot of subscribers on day one. I mean, I, I'm going to be there. Uh, well,
1: I mean, there was a deal at D23 if you, like, signed up early for Disney+. Plus. So um, I know a lot of people have already signed up for Disney+, Plus at D23, because um, they had a deal going on and some, like, exclusive merch that came with it. So they definitely yeah. already got people. Um, I know yeah. I'll be signing up on day one, but... I, I agree with you, Willoughby. I think, I think the thing is that no matter what, Disney is always going to maintain its brand. Branding is extremely important to Disney. Um, I think we will see this much more strictly with like Disney animation and Pixar. Um, you know, it's why animation is frustratingly behind in terms of representation a lot. Um, because I think they are extremely protective, of the brand as the Walt Disney Animation Studios. Um, But I also think that Disney's not dumb. You know, there's a reason they've entered into this monopoly-like state in the first place. Like, you know, like, they're not dumb. They know what they're doing. Um, And I I think they also know that, like, audiences are going to want these more adult films and TV series. And I think we are going to get them, um, you know, things released under Fox or under different, um, you know, production companies do not have that same exact like brand importance with Disney. So I think we will see um, more of that, more of that range. And also the report that I think you're talking about HT um, that was, I think it was completely blown blown out of proportion. And I think headlines were extremely misleading on it because the report you're talking about was a movie. It was like a Fox movie, right. That Mm -hmm. was shown on the Disney lot to Disney execs. And the report, all the report is, is that one or two execs after the movie made some comments about whether or not it fits under the Disney umbrella. But the thing is, for that movie to have been shown to Disney execs in the first place, it had to have passed, like, higher level execs in the first place. Mm. And so, like, it had to have gone through round. Like, th- that was not the first time anyone at Disney had seen that movie. Right. So it's is this like... Is Jojo Rabbit? This is Jojo Rabbit, yeah. It was Jojo really Rabbit. Yes, what it was. Yeah. And it's, so it's like... It, the idea that people are saying on this report that, like, Disney's going to, like, censor things is ridiculous to me based on one or two people making an offhand comment after seeing it on, on the lot when it would have had to have been approved by Disney, you know, before it even screened to these execs. And... So I think report specifically was just kind of absurd and people were just grasping at straws to find controversy about Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I I think, yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's fair. I do think that that, that report could have been blown out of proportion, truly. And um, But I do still want to, like, I don't know, uh, be cautious about anything that Disney does uh, ahead of like, in the future, just because we see things like, um, the casualties of the Fox-Disney merger, like, for example, Mouse Guard, a movie that was a big passion project from West Ball that would be adapting a comic book, um, but because it was something that was a little too close to the Disney brand, it ended up getting canceled, and it was a movie that looked so interesting and so, um just like unique and uh, it makes me a little sad that films like that will get canceled and also the shuttering of a studio like fox 2000 which uh specialized in mid-budget films and had a lot of hits last year like love simon the hate you give and um it felt like those films even though they were big they're pretty good commercial hits at the theaters are movies that disney now is sort of sending over to Disney Plus because that's where the demographic is for people who are of the streaming service subscribers those uh teen YA movies that flock to those mid-budget films so that's just like me kind of throwing in some of my like devil's advocate into this conversation and I do like Disney films and I do like, you know, Marvel movies but at the same time I just want to like put in a a hint of, or like, I don't know, put in my word there for that. I don't want to be like a Debbie Downer, but that's, that's no. How I mean, I, I, I,
1: I think I, no. I mean, I think, I think you're right. We should be cautious. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also, I also still believe that, um, Disney is smarter than that. Um. You know, and I think with like the Mouse Guard thing specifically, and it being too close. I mean, I think that again just goes back to Disney is going to be most protective mm-hmm. of its, it's brand. animation brand and like of its animation brand and like Mickey Mouse. Like that, of course, there will all there's always going to be the most protection and strictness around that. Like that's just a given. Um, it is their bread and butter, and it is kind of the thing that made Disney. Um, but I mean, let's not forget that Maleficent was a movie, was a rape revenge movie. That Disney put out and then is now getting a sequel. So, just saying. Um, Angela, but Angelina Jolie really is twice employed now
0: by by Disney. I
1: know, I know, Eternals and. They can get you.
0: They got you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's true. You sign your soul um, away. You, I mean, you kind of really do. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I think we should be cautious. But I also think that Disney does have some business savvy that, like they're aware that they can't completely center and shut down these yeah. kind of films. I mean,
0: I hope so. I still have that optimism for the future and I hope that Disney will use its power and its platform to try to experiment, to try to push boundaries and um, not worry about money so much. You already have enough money, Disney. It's okay. Like the movie that's why.
2: I think that's why they're going to TV or they're why, why mm. they're doing a streaming because – You know, Disney puts a lot of effort into the films that they really want to put an effort into um, in terms of like their marketing and their advertising. Like a, a movie's budget is just the first step in how much money they spend on a film. Like there's also the marketing, there's trailers, they have to go into theaters, they have to make posters, they have to do a lot of stuff with, you know, the advertising side of promoting a movie. Whereas you could promote a television show through ads on the internet through trailers that get posted to youtube like you don't have to put them into theaters and so they can spend a lot less and not you know like if a movie underperforms for disney's sake probably because of the advertising because like you know if it's a mid-budget movie that move you know like they'll get back their money pretty pretty quickly but then the advertising part portion of it is a whole other beast to deal with. That's Maybe why I'm I
0: like old so fashioned under- and I just perform. like the idea so, of mid-budget movies being in theaters and having some diversity at the box office versus just being on streaming. Not to, not to disparage streaming in any way. I think that streaming does allow access to all to everyone, to all yeah. audiences. But I just like I don't know. I I feel like just ha- putting the future in streaming is a little bit depressing to me.
2: I mean, I get that. I I, I mean, I love seeing movies and films in like in a, in a movie theater and i i totally understand that but i also think that a lot of films you know get recognition later on because of vi- like home video mm. like a lot of you know I, you know like we've we've had a whole we had a whole discussion on cult television and cult movies and how you know you word of mouth and how all that so i think disney Disney Plus is going to be an extension of that a corporate extension nonetheless but it's going to be here's all the films that we release like and you can watch it on your television like now and i think that or you know 3 to 6 months later like i think that you know they understand that blu-rays are not being you know bought and that movie you know movie prices are getting higher and you know you could pay for a lot of content eight dollars a month like i think that they're i mean hopefully that doesn't shutter disney plus but i think that the you know the access of that is something that we shouldn't overlook
0: true all right i think that's a pretty good conversation about disney plus d23 disney our corporate overlords um and i think we can move on to the last segment of our episode i really 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 like you but I need to tell you something. I really, 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 really like you, and I want you. Okay, Willoughby, why don't you start us off? What do you really like this week?
1: So
2: I was under the weather earlier this week and I went home from work early and I decided to put on a couple movies. And I'm here to talk about them. Yes, I have two, but I'm gonna go short. All right. Um the first film is Longshot, uh, the rom-com starring Charlize Theron and Seth Rogen. Um, it's on. It was available to rent, so I rented it. Um, it's cute. It's charming. The actors have chemistry. And ending, you know, was good. Like it was. You know, I think there was some weird, uh, some weird stuff to get to the ending, um, but the overall chemistry of the actors sort of propelled the film higher in my mind than it otherwise if it was, like, two people who didn't have the chemistry. Um, I thought it was charming and funny, um, and I really enjoyed it. Um, the next film I watched after that was Laika's uh, Missing Link, uh, to talk about another animation company. Laika's been doing extraordinary stop-motion work for a couple of years now, and Missing Link is the latest in that endeavor. Uh Gorgeous, gorgeous film. Uh, a great, great themes. Uh, Zach Galifianakis is is a really good voice actor, um, much more so than I think, a live action actor. Um, and I really appreciated Hugh Jackman's character kind of looked like him in a strange way. Like they were able to get his like, accentuated feature. Like I, for some reason, when I saw his character, I was like, oh yeah, that's that's Hugh
0: Jackman, <laughs>
2: even though. It doesn't look like him at all, like if you like look compared to him. But like for some reason, like I don't know. It it they were able to like, it's like capture a
0: stretched his stretched out, sort of yeah. thinner Hugh Jackman.
2: Yeah, and then um Zoe Saldana was really good too. Um as the is her name, Maria? I can't remember. I can't remember any of the characters' names actually. Um but the uh yeah, the animation was really cool and I really appreciate... I I you know, it was like a you know, as a A buddy comedy road trip quest for for finding family and belonging and it was really really cute and really good um another another critical hit i'd say um even though i didn't watch it in theaters i didn't watch either of these in theaters this is the first time i'm watching these films and i thought they were really good and they're both they're both available to rent so i didn't actually purchase them but uh still they're good they're good films
0: all right, Anya, what do you really like this week?
1: Man, I just would say I really need to see a Long Shot still. I never saw it, and I've heard such good things about it, and I really want to see it's it. Charming. I'm I'm glad you say so because I I really want to see it. Um, I am also going to recommend a movie. Um, on Friday I saw the new movie Brittany Runs a Marathon, starring Jillian Bell. Um, and this is based on a true story. Um, the director's friend. Um the real life Britney who did really run the New York City Marathon. Um and when I saw the trailer for this movie for the first time, I was extremely skeptical because from the trailer at first it just seemed like the character Julia Bell was playing, you know, was like being told by her doctor to lose weight and, you know, she was making bad decisions in her life and a lot of it had to do with her appearance and, you know, so she was like kinda be like, I'm gonna start running and lose weight and run the marathon and I was like Ugh, like another movie about women's bodies. Um, and there's even a line in the movie, and that's in the trailer, of like, you know, this was never about you losing weight. This is about you taking responsibility for your actions and your choices. And I was like, okay, okay, they're trying to give us platitudes, so we're not like, oh, this is a movie about, like, fat women. Um, so I was really skeptical at first. And then reviews started coming out, and they were all extremely positive, um, and they all said, this is not that movie about women's bodies. It is something much more. And so my friend and I were like, you know, let's go see it. And who knew it was going to be one of the most cathartic, emotionally raw movie experiences. Maybe it's because I'm at a transition point in my life. Um, having lost my job and now like looking for the next thing and being kind of around the age of Britney in the movie. But this movie was actually very poignant, and it touched on a lot of things that I think people in their late 20s struggle with um, in a really kind of emotionally honest and raw way. I felt both seen and attacked by the movie. Um, And I think Jillian Bell gives a really wonderful performance. I really, really love her in this movie. Um, And, you know, one of the things that got me the most about this movie is just the idea of the things that you find comfort in, especially in your, like, early to mid-20s, are not always the things that are going to be the best for you when you move on with your life and you you grow and you change and you learn and you make different choices and those old comfort things might be holding you back. Um, and you know, I think that's a really important lesson that everyone goes through. Um, and so I really, really enjoyed Brittany runs the marathon. I did not enjoy how attacked I felt, but it was a really touching film. Um, And I was surprised because I definitely was one of the things where I kind of like judged the book by its cover. Um, And I'm glad I read reviews and kind of decided to give it a shot because it was a really lovely film. So I recommend Brittany Runs a Marathon. All right. I'm going to be
0: doing all movie recommendations this week because my really like is a movie called Ready or Not. This is a really fun, really entertaining horror film with a star-making performance from Samara Weaving. I think Hugo Weaving's niece, if I may be correct. Yes. Um, It is a blood-stained, baroque takedown of the bourgeoisie. And um, I saw this one tweet that actually was really accurate. It's a movie with no subtext at all. It's all there in the text. It's all about... the rich are awful and it's great and really fun at at doing that Um, i'd say even if you don't like horror movies this is a good movie to see just because it you know it has like it scares and it has gore but it really is just about like that adrenaline and that that thrill ride of um watching this bride grace who gets kind of roped into this weird game with her new husband's new her husband's family, in which she uh, has to play hide and seek and they hunt her down and try to kill her uh, as a way to sacrifice her to maintain their um, incredible wealth. And it is just, um, the design is spectacular. It looks like the Clue Mansion and there are a lot of callbacks, I think, to that sort of campy Clue-style design. And Samara Weaving, uh, her her character reminds me very much of like, you know, she is a final girl in a horror film, but she is also very Buffy meets Veronica Sawyer from Heathers in the best way. And she goes absolutely fucking feral at the end in a way that's just very cathartic and really fun. I think this is just like one of my just the most enjoyable experiences at a theater recently. It's really it's a fun time and uh, I recommend seeing it if you can. We'll be. No, you don't like horror movies, but this is a fun one, even if you don't like them. It's a good, it's a, it's it, more of a horror comedy, really. It's really. Is it like Cabin in the Woods? Yeah. Is it like a, is it like
2: more like, is it fun? Oh, is yeah. It
0: like- it's hilarious. Okay. It's very, it's a, I would describe it more as a horror comedy than just a straight up horror because there are very many jokes and like comedic. Side characters who play it more as a comedy than a horror, and uh, Samara Weaving too is hilarious in this role. Um, so I think, yeah, if, if you if you don't like horror, or if you just like are digging a good horror comedy like Cabin in the Woods, um, then or, or, or that uh, Tucker and Dale, um, that you know that Hillbilly Tucker and Dale versus Evil, yeah, Tucker and Dale versus Evil, that one's great. That one's a good uh, like um, parameter for like what kind of movie this is too. It's really fun.
1: I I'm so I'm seeing this movie tomorrow and I'm like could not be more excited. Um, Willoughby, I just wanted to let you know if you wanted to give it a try but like weren't sure about the commitment to like seeing it in a movie theater yet. Check out the movie Your Next. It is pretty much exactly it, it not exactly this movie because like I'm excited for both even though they're very similar. But Your Next is about this girlfriend meeting her boyfriend's wealthy family for the first time in this like estate and um things quickly get gory and murdery and she has to like fight everyone off and it's really funny because it's also an evisceration of the wealthy class um and it's a black comedy horror movie Mm -hmm. um so i recommend watching your next if you're curious about like if you think you might be able to handle ready or not um and also just because i think black comedy horrors are really fun they are really fun so They're i'm so time. glad you liked it i cannot wait to see it i HG. think you'll love so it excited. <laughs> i can't wait um will be what do you think do you think you have a gut feeling if you might be willing to check these out
2: probably not in theaters like, um, yeah. i'll probably catch it i'll catch it on like a sunday when i have some time after the podcast like not yeah. today but like couple months when it's out and like i don't know because like i don't know you guys have really dived into the horror genre but i'm still myself barely putting my foot in the shallow end i
0: think if you watch oh no uh go ahead i think if you watch cabin in the woods you can definitely handle this movie because the gore is no more than what you see in cabin in the woods and the the comedy is very on par
2: it's not that i can't handle horror films is that I think I'm still stuck in 2015 where we had our conversation and I just I haven't seen enough of the quote unquote good horror films to justify liking horror films no, and like, I know there. that there's a lot of praise for the witch and all these things and like I prefer I don't know its I don't know it's just I don't want to watch it I don't want to see you know I don't want to see terrorization I guess on sc- screen like I don't want to I don't want to I think we're living in such shit times that I don't want to watch something like horror films but if Ready or Not and You're Next are sort of pushing back against like wealthy societies and capitalism AI. and all that great. rich Red, shit in
0: Ready or not, maybe I'll check it in Ready or like, Not there's I, a character there's an actor who looks just like Jared Kushner and uh, they play into that a lot in a way that I think is, uh, intentional. And I'm,
1: I'm just going to say that the boyfriend's name is your next is named Crispin, which is like the most wealthy white boy name ever. And so yes, these movies hate the wealthy class and it's hilarious. But I mean, I think you're right, Willoughby. I, I consider myself at this point, like a fully fledged horror fan. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not just a baby horror fan anymore. Like I, I'm a horror fan now, which is, like, something I never thought I would be. But I completely get where you're coming from. I became a horror fan because friends around me who liked horror specifically showed me horror movies that were feminist, that were kind of, like, breaking the mold, that were different. And so that kind of got me into horror. And then I went back and started watching some of the more classics. And I get what you're saying. Um, I still refuse to watch anything that resembles, like, torture porn or Mm -hmm. anything that's kind of, like, very misanthropic. But... I actually find the escapism of horror, even when you're living in terrifying time, times, to be really fun and I find them to be gen like genuinely escapist movies. Um and I get really excited by them now. So I agree
0: with you. Um I'm yeah. just really happy that I've finally opened up myself to horror same. because I feel I like I'm missing out now. on so much great storytelling. And I know, then, you know, the, the great thing about horror is that there is there is like the kind that is what you're thinking of, Willoughby, and that they're there just for those those scares and they're there just to make you feel bad. but those aren't the kinds that are really successful at being horror in my opinion, in audience opinion, I think they're the ones that we like you know usually either are escapist or they have something more to say, and that's what really appealed to me when I was watching and getting into horror,
1: yeah, so you know, maybe we'll make some recommendations for you, and in your own time on sunny Sunday afternoons, you can try your hand at them based on our personal recommendations. And we'll see if we can get you a little into the shallow end a bit more with horror. Um, but obviously no pressure because everyone has their own interests and you never have to watch anything. You don't want to. Exactly. That is a PSA to you will be and to everyone listening. Um, but yes. Okay. We sort of went on a tangent there, <laughs> but Here, I'm
2: going to, I'm going to, I'm going to get us back on, on, uh, on to, on Target, with this tweet from Jermaine uh, Lucier, who is a, a IO9 breaking news guys, Speaking of on Target, Disney oh, wow. is teaming up with Target to open Disney stores in Targets, and everyone in, uh, at this panel at, at D23 is getting ten dollar gift cards. Um, so yeah, they're gonna open Disney stores in Targets.
0: I feel like that's almost like a parody tweet, oh, but I, it's also probably no, it's real. true. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, what?
2: Yeah, so um, they still own us. They st- Disney still owns we America. We are um,
0: their corp. Yeah, we we bow down to their cor- our corporate overlords. Yeah, breaking oh news God. from D
2: twenty three. Wow. Target, okay. Target and Disney. Target plus Disney plus Target.
1: Oh wow. Okay. Um. So oh. anyway, <laughs> if you guys have any thoughts on Disney, our corporate overlords. Things you're genuinely excited about, things you're kind of like, what? At? Like, Target? Um, come chat with us. And also, what you're really liking this week, if it's a movie you've seen from Brittany Runs a Marathon to Longshot to Missing Link to Ready or Not, come chat with us about the movies you're watching and liking, um, and where can they do that, Willoughby?
2: You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. You can rate, review, and subscribe to us um, on iTunes and Google Play and SoundCloud. Uh, And where can they find you guys on the internet?
1: You can find me at htranbui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter.
0: Alright, thanks for joining us guys! Bye. Bye!